HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Michter's Distillery. Visit Michter's.com to find out how their taste-is-everything, cost-be-damned attitude is creating some of the finest whiskeys available. I'm Grace Bonney of After the Jump, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte, and it is a beautiful day with beautiful people in beautiful Brooklyn. And I have to say, it's kind of crazy that it has been within just a few days of exactly three years ago when I last had Abigail Golo on the Speakeasy, and she's back today. Yeah, it was October 5th, 2011. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Oh my God! This is a very special time of year for very us. Very special time. It's it's our time. It is. It is our time. <laughs> well, how have you been? I have been wonderful. Yeah, it's been. Uh, I I only ever get to see you like about once a year whenever I'm down in uh, New Orleans because you last time I spoke to you or we were we had you in the studio you were living here. I was. And then you moved to New Orleans shortly after that. I did. Yeah, about two and a half years ago, I relocated to uh, the Crescent City. And um, and started working in this amazing new restaurant and living in this amazing new city. And I got to tell you, I have just fallen in love, deeply, deeply in love. You know, New York has my heart and soul forever because I was raised here. And New York's always going to be here. But honestly, I wrote New York a Dear John letter when I left. I was like, it's not me. It's you. <laughs> You've changed. And I found someone else who needs me. <laughs> that's amazing yeah i mean i guess everyone kind of has an expiration date you know with new mm-hmm. york but but uh you put in a, a lot of time here i mean being I from did. here so yeah. i did and i love it. it you know i we were talking earlier about the importance of social media and i still feel very very much connected here very yeah. much connected to the people here um and luckily i live in new orleans where once a year we have tales of the cocktail and that always falls on my birthday, by the way. Right, yeah. So it's like 23,000 of my closest friends coming to celebrate me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was designed for. That's, yeah. Ann Tinnerman had, a, had that in mind when she picked out the dates. I think she may have. She's a wonderful, <laughs> thoughtful lady that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yeah, we were talking actually uh, to catch up the, the, guest, uh, the guests, <laughs> the listeners. We're, we're so, like, service-oriented, the guests. <laughs> 
Yeah, we are. We're very hospitality oriented. We, exactly. We were talking about that before the show. It's like you know, any time that you know you move, you always feel like a disconnect whenever you leave New York, even just for like a vacation. You're constantly mm-hmm. like, oh my god, what the hell's happening at my bar? Like, do we need to order glassware? It's like, are we out of bitters? You know, like what's going on? Um, did someone cut their finger? Uh, <laughs> do I have to come back and cover their shift? Um, but it's uh, it, just even outside of that, just like. There's so much expansion uh, of information, uh, not only uh, you know in print media but in digital media, uh, to where and, and like you said, and social radio. networking and yeah. and yeah, and radio. It's like mm-hmm. it's 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 a lot easier to feel comfortable away from like the big city, you know, mm-hmm. and get to do your thing. Mm-hmm. And you've been doing that at Sobu, right? I have, I have, I have had the most amazing opportunity to work with some really uh, people who are groundbreakers in the way that they produced, uh, you know, the Brennan family is synonymous with hospitality in New Orleans, and it's such an honor to work with them. I just learned so much every day. And also, I work with two other female bar chefs, um, and the cocktail chicks, T and Lolly Brennan, and Miss Lou Brow, and it's so supportive. It's such a supportive industry. And then the other, the other um, bartenders and bars and restaurants in New Orleans are also, we're an extremely tight-knit group, and we all love what we do and support each other, and it is, um, it is so, such a joy to be a part of this family. Yeah. And, uh, and, and such an honor. And, and, and it is, it's all about hospitality. That's like really our strength. That's really what we're known for. I mean, this is a city that, you know, hosts Super Bowls and hosts Mardi Gras and right. festivals and conferences. And I'm, I get jazz people fest. from all, oh, Jazz Fest. So much fun. French Quarter Fest, which you should check out. Oh, dude, I like Satchmo Halloween there. Fest. Oh, Halloween. That's like the local just blowout, right? Oh, yeah. Please. We're a town that likes to dress up. You like to party. We like to you party. Like to wear funny things. We do. And I do, too. <laughs> so I love going there. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was thinking about the, uh, the, the also the just the the rich history involved with like food and drinks there. It's crazy, mm, it is, you know. And um, it's it's awesome to see that there are so many bars that have been like popping up over the last decade. It's kind of funny that like Tales of the Cocktails started there. You know what? Eleven, twelve years ago. Yeah, I think it was. We had our eleventh year. Eleventh, right? Yeah, and uh, it like Tales of the Cocktails started before, or like maybe right at the same time that. The cocktail renaissance started happening with like milk and honey and stuff oh, here. Yeah. So it's insane, you know? It's well, like- New Orleans is a bit of a missing link because the people of New Orleans never stopped drinking cocktails. You sure. know, the Brandy Milk Punch, the Ramos Gin Fizz, the Sazerac, uh, French 75. These are all classic drinks in our canon that people drink every day, that they their families drink every day. It's tradition. Uh, it's traditional before parades. It's traditional on Fridays at uh, Galatoire's. You know, it's these cocktails never went out of style. I had, you know, Jimmy Russell, the master distiller mm-hmm. from Wild Turkey. Yeah. He told me that r- American rye whiskey would have gone extinct in the eighteen nine. Um, I'm sorry, in the 1980s and 90s, if it wasn't for the good people of New Orleans drinking their Sazeracs. Wow. I mean, that's that's how important New Orleans still is to the cocktail culture. We kept American rye whiskey alive. And you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks, Abby. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Lots of many things for that, you know. And it's really cool too. Like, you know, we were talking before the show about how our our love of the Manhattan cocktail. But then, mm. whoa, 
you know, where would the that Sazerac, be? Yeah. You know? yeah. Where would the Manhattan be without the Sazerac? Yeah, absolutely. Such the Sazerac cocktails were just a classification of drinks until the Sazerac came along. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you're using specific bitters. You're using a specific spirit. This Sazerac brand cognac. Suddenly drinks have names. I mean, that definitely that golden age of mixology that happened later in the 1860s and 1880s wouldn't have been possible without New Orleans. And, of course, bitters, which is the essential, you know, we all know mm-hmm. New Orleans didn't invent the cocktail. Cocktail was being drunk for a while. They have that first written record in 1806 mm-hmm. from a Hudson, New York newspaper. Bitter, sugar, spirit, water. That is what a cocktail was. But New Orleans was famous for its bitters. There was not just Antoine Peychaud. There was pharmacists all over. We have a whole pharmacy museum, the museum dedicated. Is amazing. Yeah, and it's anyone really should, beautiful. Like, everyone should actually check out the... Uh, the pharmacy museum there anytime you're in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. You know, we, but between your uh, daiquiri shops and yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and broiled oysters at Acme, uh, go, you definitely go by the pharmacy museum. Oh, it's, pharmacy it's museum. We have the Beautiful. Museum of, of Southern Food, and we have the Museum of the American Cocktail. Right. Which, I, you know what? I've been to New Orleans a billion times, and I've never been to the Museum of the American they Cocktail. They have some fascinating, fascinating stuff. I learned so much. And I, I'm also pleased to see that the, the tools that they collected from like the 1800s look still just like what we use. And I know you you collect those tools yeah. too, so you know you definitely use them. I'm a huge tool guy. <laughs> <laughs> um. I've heard that about you. <laughs> oh, mm. woo. Nice one. Oh, thanks. I hope my mom's not listening. To <laughs> um. You are <laughs> blushing. You are so adorable. <laughs> it's funny about that too, though, because like one of my favorite little books is the one from the Museum of the American Cocktail, the little black book. It's yeah. like spiral bound, yeah. which is, first of all, spiral binding a cocktail book or and a cookbook. Mm-hmm. Like it's brilliant because yeah. you're not sitting there holding it with your hands reading it. It needs to lay flat yeah. on the bar top or in the, on the countertop so you can read it while you're actually using both your hands making the drink or making the dish. So that's amazing. Absolutely, very thoughtful. Yeah, thoughtful. Um, yeah, it's such an amazing town, and it's awesome that you're there. We miss you here, of course, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, and you've got you've got like Nick Jarrett, and you've got like you know all kinds of just like amazing bartenders. Yeah, there. Kimberly Patton Bragg, who mm-hmm. was up here. There's so many of us now. Um, I had um, uh, a gentleman call us New Yorlinians. There's <laughs> quite a few of us making our way down there because I like that. I gotta say, people ask me how was the transition. Oh, that must have been really, really different and. You know, this being the South, a lot of people say, New York City. They still say that when I say, oh, I'm from New York. New York City. <laughs> yes, that salsa commercial in the 80s. Glad you remember. <laughs> but um, I actually thought it was a very easy transition because, um, to me, uh, New York City is a very strong community made up of neighborhoods, of people from all over. And um, I feel like New Orleans has that very strong sense of community as well. Um, it's just a lot more compact. Yeah. And I felt right at home. It's like I tell some people sometimes I feel like I've moved to the coolest neighborhood in Brooklyn. It's New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also it's got this unique culture that no other city in America has. And um, so that's why they're very fiercely they fiercely hold on to this culture. It is exceptionally special. There is nothing like Mardi Gras. Yeah. There is nothing like the magic that is that whole from January 6th on All King's Day when you can start eating King's Cake, when you find the King Cake Baby and you have parties and then the parades <laughs> and the, like, you don't, until you experience it, it, you can't even begin to understand how special and magical it is. And family friendly, too. People don't understand that. They think it's just crazy and wild and drunkenness. I think yeah. there's definitely an era where it was kind of a dangerous, you know, crazy 
you know, like you see before and after pictures of people, you know. <laughs> well, that's honestly, honey, that's any Friday or Saturday night on exactly. Bourbon Street. You got to watch out. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, it's, I don't know. It's such a welcoming, like warm city. And mm-hmm. it's, it's super like it's, it's the most unique city in the United States. That's for sure. I agree. You know, um, I was thinking about that too. Like just a second ago when we were talking about the, uh, the, the community in the neighborhoods and stuff. I was wondering, like, I started thinking, I was going to ask if you ever send boomerangs to uh, to other bars in New Orleans, but then I was like, wait a minute, you can drink on the streets, so, it's like, completely legal. it's completely different from here, because if you're sending a boomerang from, like, PDT to Death & Company, you're actually allowed to drink on the street in that situation, so, like, whoever's taking that, is probably just drinking it on the way there. They do. <laughs> I started, I, I, w- I loved um, the tradition of the K- uh, Kentucky Derby. We had great parties here in Brooklyn with my friend Michael Boyd, who's an honorary colonel from Kentucky, by the way. Cool. Uh, I had so much fun with the Derby, and when I moved to New Orleans, the Derby always falls on the second weekend of Jazz Fest, so no one really cares or does anything for the Kentucky mm. Derby. So, in an in a way to like curb my disappointment, I started the uh, first and last year was the second annual running of the juleps where I make a julep and then I have a customer run it to another bartender where they make a julep and they run it to another bartender. And it's almost like a little bartender julep scavenger hunt. Oh, wow. That's but yes, awesome. a lot of them get drunk on the way. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Especially like because it's really freaking hot there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. You want, you want nothing more than a, re- a refreshing uh, mint julep mm-hmm. or a frozen daiquiri. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, uh, another thing about that, like, I was just wondering, like, the, well, so my last experience, I didn't go to Tills this year. I went last year and, like, all the, like most of the years before. But um, last year... It seemed like things were starting, like, because we did an event out in the Bywater, mm. uh, me and Aaron Polsky and Michael Rourke, and we were starting to see stuff, and even, I think Ann Tunerman lives out there in, in the Bywater, which is, I say out there, it's, yeah. you know, it's it's on, on the outer skirts, but, like, um, do you did you see a lot more of that happening this year, like, kind of expansion as far as, like, getting out of the quarter, like, as far as events go? Absolutely. Absolutely. We, this year, we threw an amazing party. Um, it was a Charles H. Baker themed party at the Lakefront Airport, which oh, is wow. really, it's like by the lake. It's kind of far away. But the Lakefront Airport is this Art Deco masterpiece that has recently been lovingly restored. So we're having like cocktails on this veranda overlooking the sunset on the lake with like planes coming in and um, and these beautiful Art Deco murals all around us. We recreated Charles H. Baker's living room during Christmas in this oh space. It was absolutely magical. And then outside, because it was around the world kind of with Charles H. Baker, we had a camel and a bazaar and a Moroccan <laughs> bazaar. It was, it was too much fun. And I know a lot of people when they were on the bus going there were like, where are you taking us? Because you go through some weird parts of New Orleans to get there. Yeah. But it was well worth it when we got there. And I'm, I really like that we are showing more people, like getting people out of the quarter. The last couple of years, since I moved there, I've really been encouraging people to to expand outside of just the alibi and the quarter and the 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 old yeah. absinthe house, and really see that so there's so many other great places. There's 
Um, one of my favorite bars, the Saturn Bar. This is a bar that every hipster bar in Williamsburg wishes it was. <laughs> it's just so amazing. And when I talk to the girl who runs it, whose uncle used to own it before, she's like, yeah, we used to have bare-knuckled boxing fights in the back. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. That's amazing. It's it's a it's a magical, magical place. You they probably have, have to move it to Bushwick to do the bare-knuckle boxing, I think. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably, yeah. No, this this bar would be right at home in Bushwick for sure. Nice. But this it's got so much history, and it it is so much fun. And they have like great '60s mod dance nights. And um, I recently was there with uh, a friend from New Orleans and two friends visiting from New York, and we had such an amazing time that the next day we were like, "I need I'm just love our friendship right now." I had amazing time at Saturn Bar. It was so magical. I think we should all get Saturn Bar tattoos to commemorate. <laughs> The experience. So we did. Ah, we all, and nice. one of us, it was her first tattoo. I was so <laughs> proud of her. And I, I went to my tattoo artist or wife and I said, oh, we're doing this thing. We're getting matching setting bar tattoos. Is that weird? And she goes, how do you think I got this R-bar tattoo on my ankle? That just happens in New Orleans. Yeah, you have amazing. amazing magical nights and you want to remember it forever. Oh, man. I've definitely gotten a few tattoos in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll continue talking with my good buddy, Abigail Gillett. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in that rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the end. Let's begin with that aside and those things that took you. Michter's Distillery is a proud sponsor of In the Drink and HeritageRadioNetwork.org. At Michter's, our passion is making the finest whiskeys possible. When you only make small batch and single barrel whiskeys like Michter's does, your whiskey has to be perfect. No detail is too small, from careful attention to the wood used in the construction of our barrels to lower barrel entry proof before heat-cycled aging in advance of exacting chill filtration. And no whiskey gets bottled until Michter's master distiller says it's just right. Michter's cost be damned, taste is everything attitude is apparent in every sip of its smooth, rich whiskeys. Is it worth it? A lot of spirits lovers seem to think so. Food & Wine magazine called Michter's the best American whiskey. Bon Appetit said it's amazing. And the Wall Street Journal had one special word for Michter's. Phenomenal. For more information, visit michters.com. Or simply visit your favorite bartender or retailer and ask for Michter's. And we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy. And I have my dear friend Abigail Gullo in the studio. And we were just talking about the, the wonders and joys and just like the magical nature of New Orleans. Uh, she actually, you moved there two and a half years ago. You've been mm -hmm. sorely missed. And you're talking about all the cool stuff uh, in the culture. And it is really just an amazing city. Um but let's talk about what you guys do at Sabu. I mean, this is, I know you've been really, really into the uh, the vibe and like the, the culture. And I was just wondering how that relates to the the bar and mm -hmm. the way you, you do things there now, you know? Our, I mean, I guess you always kind of had, like you were working at Fort Defiance before yes. and like 
So that kind of like ushered you in, right? Oh, absolutely. So much of my, uh, between working at the Beagle and working at Fort Defiance, I feel like I had such a great prep for going to New Orleans because both those bars were like neighborhood bars. We had great regulars. Um, we had people visiting from out of town. It was very like approachable and fun and food was very much connected to the cocktail program. And that was always been important to me. I didn't get into the business. I, I came into it a little bit backwards. I was a school teacher for a long time and only got interested. I mean, I always had a love for classic cocktails, but got interested in working with restaurants because I definitely saw um, a deficit there, that their good restaurants weren't having enough good cocktails. And um, so I, I sought out those places like the Beagle and Fort Defiance. And Thankfully, Sinjin Frizzell went to Tulane University, had experience in New Orleans, and said, listen, what you're doing would really go well in New Orleans. And he was very, very right. Because I managed to find an amazing group. Um, we're t Technically, we're part of the, the, the W Hotel. Uh, Sobu stands for uh, South of Bourbon, and it's a spirited restaurant. And it marks my, my Brennan side of the family, the Commander's Palace family of restaurants. It's their return to the quarter. They haven't had a restaurant in the quarter for a while. So I was very honored to be a part of this return and to be part of a restaurant that is beverage-focused. We have a beer tap tables um, that you could pour your own beers oh, at. Cool. In our little beer like garden, <laughs> we have wine machines. The beer taps are all local beers. Uh, the wines we rotate in a different region. Our sommelier is like constantly finding new and interesting wines from different regions, and we highlight those wines and switch them out regularly. And then the food, of course, I cannot leave out. Yeah. We are a celebration of um, Louisiana festival food. Uh, new Orleans. And Louisiana is famous for its festivals and having the best food there. So we're kind of bringing that into a really cool restaurant setting. Um, and our chef, Juan Carlos Gonzalez, is Puerto Rican. So it has a, a bit of a Caribbean flair to it as well. So we have like lamb, corazon, pinchos, over fresh oh, corn, chow chow. We order our produce from, I was amazed to find how much local fresh produce there is we have a year-round growing season in new orleans oh. so there's never uh not access to absolutely beautiful fresh fruits and veggies which not only do we incorporate into our food but luckily veggies i get to incorporate are. into my cocktails yeah. as well yeah and the chef and i really enjoy working together and coming up with pairings um our, our entire menu every drink is paired with a dish on the menu we really encourage every cocktail every wine every beer we give people suggestions on what they should do to really enhance their experience in enjoying both the food and the cocktail. And I do like, we have a lot of um, uh, local in, uh, spirits ingredients as well. We have three local rums now. So I'd like to right. highlight local spirits as well. We have a local gin and a local vodka. And then, of course, next door in Texas and Mississippi, we have a lot of distilleries as well. So, um, so it's been really fun to kind of in, in, enjoy my new region and 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 explore the different cuisines it's it's really cool because it, it's kind of like it's kind of like it seems like the same vibe you know like like as far as like but it's just like different ingredients but there it's all the cool things because you've got your local distilleries and your local mm -hmm. breweries and you've got your local produce and mm -hmm. but but it's all different but it's, it's kind of like the same thing because we're doing the same thing but yeah. it's different oh yeah and new orleans has been doing local forever that's kind of always been our thing and then course access to the gulf our seafood is amazing yeah it is absolutely gorgeous and you have this wonderful history of chefs um 
who use these local ingredients and work together. And you, everything from Cajun, which is more countrified uh, cooking, and then Creole, which is the more refined kind of French influence and Caribbean influence. And then we have, you know, New Orleans has uh, more Sicilians came through the port of New Orleans than Ellis Island. Wow. I as a as a gullo, which is in a Sicilian name, all the time I get stopped with people saying, "Hey, are you uh, related to Joe Gullo in Metairie?" Like, yeah, no, but <laughs> but it's uh, nice to know I found my gullos, my nice. gullos. And on my mom's side, she's French Canadian, so uh, all my Cajun friends are like, "Oh, Charbonneau, are you Cajun?" Like, no, my people didn't get kicked out of Canada. <laughs> my Cajun friend said, "Actually, you are Cajun. You're just very late." So I found my people. Nice, yeah. <laughs> You were telling me before the show, too, when you were talking about the Caribbean, you were saying that there used to be a midnight ferry to Havana? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. The, the two wettest cities during Prohibition were Detroit and New Orleans. Detroit for their access to all that Canadian whiskey, and New Orleans, all their access to rum. And it was because of that we invented the hurricane very soon after Prohibition ended, because we had access to all this leftover rum. Oh, man. And do you know, there was a young man named Ernest Beaumont who worked for Pat O'Brien at his speakeasy. And he was a rum runner and go to the Caribbean. After Prohibition, he moved to L.A. and changed his name to Don the Beachcomber. What? And became the godfather of the Tiki movement. I did not know that. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> crazy. We have a nice Tiki movement going on in New Orleans, too. Jeff Beach Bumberry, who's like... Oh, yeah. The, he is uh, opening up a new restaurant called Latitude 29 mm-hmm. uh, in New Orleans that is a very authentic Tiki. And it's going to have amazing food, too. It's going to be... Isn't Bosco doing his, like, interior design or something? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's oh, crazy. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be so beautiful. And and we have another... We have, like, a Latin-themed tiki place, Tiki Tolteca. So there's there's definitely um, a lot of different things going on. We have great gastro pubs in the Bywater, like Oxalis mm-hmm. and Booties and Morapa Foods. Yeah. We have great pizza now with Pizza Delicious. Pizza it's, not just, it's not just... It's not just... You know, Cajun Creole anymore. There's, of course, there's influences on everything. I think we were talking about this new taco place that opened, and I was saying, oh, I can't wait till crawfish is in season because crawfish tacos actually sound amazing. Yeah, seriously. Wow. God. Why did I have to miss tails this year? <laughs> Jesus. What's wrong with me? There, there's a very a cyclical nature to living in New Orleans, and it is very much tied into not only our festival season, but our fresh seafood and what's available. There's crab season, oyster season, shrimp season, and crawfish season. And those are really the four seasons and how everything kind of, you go from having um, crawfish boils to having crab boils, you know. And uh, and everyone's kind of very connected to that. And we could always spot a tourist when they come in and asking for crawfish when it's not in season. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got to I gotta convince it more because I, I need to understand these seasons. Um, that's amazing. Um, I, You know, I think that Especially cocktails, like when you're pairing with food, I think the the go-tos are always like, all right, I can have some whiskey with some barbecue or mm-hmm. like steaks, you know, mm-hmm. like steakhouse kind of, you've got your Manhattan old-fashioned Sazerac kind of thing with mm-hmm. like heavy meats. And then typically, you know, you've got like margaritas and, and caperinas and stuff with like Mexican food and Spanish food and like gin and tonics and stuff. But like with seafood, I feel like you can just go crazy. You can. You can do pretty much anything with it. Yeah. So it's like... You know, I've been working at uh, ZZ's Clam Bar, you know, a night a week for the last couple months. And, you know, all the drinks are very, like, mostly very, like, tiki-inspired. It's all with, like, Crudo and Rob Ark and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, amazing. It's, like, thinking about, like, the, the cocktails with the food. It's like, wait a minute. 
it's like they're two different ideas, but wow, they, they really go together. They do. <laughs> so you can you can do pretty much anything with seafood. I think I think it's this is we've reached a time when yeah rules some rules were just made to be broken sure and that some of us are skilled enough to create cocktails that can bypass all expectations about what it's supposed to taste like. I'm my boss T Martin is a fan of the blood and sand and she loves Scotch cocktails and I love challenging myself to come up with more Scotch cocktails because she just doesn't think there are enough out there. Sure. And and to I have this beautiful light one that's on the menu that you know we pair with some of our you know light appetizers and it's a Scotch cocktail, but it just comes out so light and beautiful. Yeah, when you nail it with a Scotch cocktail, it's like it's a, really a thing of beauty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, I think it's it, like Scotch and I mean, well, I, I would I would say sherry. Except mm-hmm. we've gotten to a point now where like every like everyone's kind of starting to understand Sherry. You were actually just in the competition. I was uh, on Monday. Monday, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but they uh, like the Scotch thing. I, I think still is. Um, it's there's a lot to be explored there. Absolutely, I think there's there's so much. Just when you if you think you've learned it all. You've got to look back because there's yeah. still so much to learn. I still have so much to learn about Sherry. I'm so excited to bring what I learned here in New York back to back to New Orleans because I just had a blast having a wonderful. Uh, I had this incredible meal at a Spanish restaurant and with tapas paired with like 22 different sherries, and I just got so inspired. And I was trying to think of what's the restaurant in New Orleans that's serving food like this. And I actually was excited to realize it was my own restaurant. <laughs> we're doing pinchos. We're doing small plates. Yeah. We're doing plates meant for sharing with groups. And uh, and I was so, so excited that I'm like, yes, this is like tailor-made for our restaurant. I'm really excited to bring this back. Nice. I can't wait to come to Cebu. I've, I've been there once. I ran to you once uh, right. a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but next time I'm down there, I'm definitely going. So, like, so say, say – me like it would say it's me or like anyone else you know like coming down to uh, visit you in new orleans where where would you take me like oh like, like top three spots easy i pick you up at the airport and i get you acclimated to what it's like to go out in new orleans i take you straight to bacchanal in the right. bywater where we pick up some wine we pick up some cheese they plate it for us we order some food we sit in the back listen to some amazing jazz while we catch up hang out under fairy lights you could smoke cigarettes. Oh, 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 my, oh, God. oh my gosh. <laughs> and and enjoy wine and enjoy a beautiful New Orleans night. Then, yes, definitely probably some dancing at the Saturn Bar uh, <laughs> would be a must. Place out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know I, I've probably been there several times, <laughs> but you know how it is. <laughs> they have a, a jukebox that is broken. You know, you can't turn the pages. So you can only play what's showing <laughs> or else they give you like this tattered loose leaf new, uh, paper that says these are the only th- songs you're allowed to play. And I love it because it open on that open page is that se- song from the 70s, Chevy Van, which has become like my new favorite. I'm like, this song is amazing. I fa- found it on the oldie station in New Orleans and I was like, yeah, I love this song about the Chevy Van. It's like picking up a picking up a hitchhiker and um, and having your way with her and then dropping her <laughs> off in some small town. Whoa. Oh, the seventies! <laughs> when you could do that. <laughs> but it's a it's it's a magical place. And then I I would definitely we'd have to at some point get dressed up and um, go to Commander's Palace. And have, like, the most amazing experience with hospitality, with amazing local food. Nothing in that kitchen comes from more than 200 miles away. Wow. Cool. Not, not one ingredient. And, uh, and they do 25-cent cocktails for lunch. So, hello. Oh, holy shit. 
Okay. But limit three because that's enough. Let's yeah, stay civilized. Well, exactly. <laughs> get change for a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> and then right across the street from Commander's Palace is the famous cemetery, Lafayette Number 1, where Harry Ramos is buried. So oh, wow. perhaps we take a Ramos gin fizz to go because we can. Yeah. <laughs> and we enjoy the cocktail um, uh, at his grave. All right. I'm sold. <laughs> Abby, it's been so awesome having you on the show today. Mm, thank it's, you, sweetheart. I, I, we don't get to see each other enough. No. Uh, I will, I, you know, I'm going to come to New Orleans off season. Please I mean, do. off, off Tales of the Cockpit. Off Tales so season. So we can actually go to all those places. Thank you again so much. You're oh, the my best. My pleasure. Thank you. I love you, sweetheart. Love you too. All right. <laughs> that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check in to Heritage Radio for many other programs like this. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.